And so this was like terrifying for me. Um, my first open water swim, I'm like, okay, I got to worry about a thousand other people plus alligators. Dizruns Radio episode 762 starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey guys, uh, real quick before we dive into today's episode, today's episode is brought to you by YNAB. That's right. We've got kind of a random sponsor here, affiliate partner, whatever you want to call it. But I I think that there's a a good reason for this. In case you're unaware of of YNAB, it's an internet program, um, app, browser-based, the whole nine yards, and it helps you track your budget. And it's something that Rebecca and I have started doing recently, using it. Um, had a few, uh, hiccups at first, but kind of have it figured out now after a few months and really, um, really kind of helping to see, you know, where we spend our money, things like that. And, you know, if, if you're anything like me, uh, you know, maybe you used to think that running was kind of a cheap, uh, cheap hobby, cheap way of exercise. And as you get into it more and more and you start buying the shoes and the hydration packs and the clothes and the races and the travel for the races, you start to realize it's expensive, and so uh, one of the categories that we have in our in our YNAB budget has to do with races and traveling to races and things like that, um, of which we'll be tapping into that later this fall when I am now officially planning to run and signed up and we'll be running the Marine Corps Marathon, which is exciting. Uh, more on that to come. But uh, if you want to check out YNAB, you can check it out. They, have, they, they give everybody just a free... Um, 34 day trial. So you can get it throughout a whole, you know, entire month billing cycle, uh, to check it out for free. And if you go to my link, disruns.com slash YNAB, that's just the letters Y N A B. Uh, you can get an extra free month on top of that to kind of really, uh, the, the extra free month happens once you subscribe. So there, there is a yearly subscription fee. Um, that's really not, I think it's like $80, which is kind of expensive, but at the same time, it's, it's not too much when you consider, uh, what you can maybe save by being more aware of your, your budgetary, uh, situation. But, um, if you decide to sign up, you get an extra free month as well. So it's, it's a pretty cool little deal. Um, I get an extra free month if you sign up. So everybody, everybody wins. Um, but, uh, definitely is something that, uh, like I said, Rebecca and I are using and, uh, the more we use it, the more we kind of figure it out, the more I become a big fan of it. And I can see how, uh, you know, if you're like me and you like to, to spend money on, on this little passion of running that we all have, um, it might be a great way to kind of keep track and make sure that you're, um, you know, spending the money where it's most appropriate and maybe, you know, cutting back on some, some spending that's, uh, maybe a little bit less important to you and your overall goals, running life and everything in between. So check it out. If you're so inclined, disruns.com slash YNAB. That's the letters. Once again, Y N A B. And, uh, if you, if you have any questions about it, let me know. Cause I, like I said, I've learned a few things the hard way and I think I finally have it figured out. So check it out. Uh, and let me know what you think. And now without any further ado, let's go ahead and uh, dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey guys, uh, my guest today is someone that has uh, been running for about 25 years now, but has really only recently 
gotten into the the racing scene you know you have eventually you get bit by that racing bug and then sometimes you can't uh you can't give it up and that kind of sounds like what today's guest uh happens to be like uh he's also a fellow ultra red teamer which is how we kind of got connected and how i kind of learned some of his backstory uh, and he's also a fellow running coach and one of his areas of expertise is uh mindset and working with his athletes on uh the mental side of our sport which as you all know, if you've been listening long enough, you know that that's uh, an area of weakness for me. So uh, needless to say, I'll be looking for some tips to help me shore up my mental game today. Hopefully help you guys shore up your mental games as well. And uh, looking forward to diving into a, a fun chat today with Mr. Cliff Pittman. So uh, Cliff, thanks for joining us today and welcome to the show. Absolutely. Thank you, Dan. Really honored to be on. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to it. And uh, guys, if if you enjoy what we're talking about today and you want to find out more about Cliff and some of the things he's got going on, which he's got no shortage of things going on, um, the the best place to to connect with him and then branch out from there is uh, on Instagram. And his handle there is at uh, Coach Cliff Pittman, all one word. That's Cliff with two Fs, Pittman with two Ts. So at Coach Cliff, C-L-I-F-F, Pittman, P-I-T-T-M-A-N. And uh, as per usual, we'll have everything linked up in the show notes today. We'll get some photos. We'll get all the good things. And we'll also obviously make sure to have uh, the link to Cliff's Instagram account. Uh, Dizruns.com slash 762 is the link today to get back to the show notes. So uh, Cliff, the way we always start off each episode of the show is with a very uh, simple and straightforward question that for some folks, it's easy to answer. Some folks, it's a little bit difficult. I don't know exactly where you're going to fall on this on this uh, <laughs> spectrum of easy or difficult, but it's just to simply ask, what is your favorite distance to race and and why? Man, that's such a great question. And and I'm a pretty simple and straightforward person. But for this answer, I'm going to have to uh, kind of go a little bit more roundabout way. <laughs> um, really, the my favorite distance to race is just whatever distance is in front of me at that particular moment. Um, so it obviously changes throughout the seasons. And right now I'm training for, for the Dallas Marathon at the end of this year. And so marathon happens to be my my favorite race um, at this given moment, and if you ask me next year, then it'll it'll change. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll let it slide. I'll let the cop out answer of whatever <laughs> whatever the next race is slide because I, you know on the one hand you know you could you could kind of say and obviously I'm joking but I say the cop out answer but it is kind of, you know like oh you know whatever but but I I do think that's maybe kind of a good outlook to have and that you don't maybe get yourself kind of pigeonholed into one distance or, or one, you know, kind of small window of distances, but it's like, you know what, whatever I, I'm open for new challenges. I'm open to try new things, go back to some, some things I've done before. Um, so, you know, you dig a little bit deeper. That's, that's maybe that's a better answer than nailing it down to one specific thing because there are so many options in our sport. And I think for me, it comes back to gratitude. You know, if, if I'm racing uh, and I'm really focused on marathon right now, And in the back of my mind, I've got, okay, 10K, that's my favorite distance. That's my bread and butter. Naturally, that's what I'm built to run. Then it really, it's really hard from the mindset side of things to say, okay, I'm given 26.2, the very best version of Cliff possible, if it's not my favorite race at this season. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of one of the ways that I don't want to say I trick myself, but I kind of forcefully will myself into just being grateful for the distance, being grateful for my my body and the, the ability that I have to cover that distance and train for that distance. And just, uh, I guess, a, a positive perspective um, really goes a long way as we put one foot in front of the other and, and mile over mile. 
Yeah, there's there's no question about that. It's this one thing I've I've certainly learned over my years in in running and and you know one of those one of those things that I'm I always trying to work on with uh, my mental side, which I, I mentioned in the in the intro there, a little bit uh, you know maybe not super suspect, but it used to be really my my weakest link and making some progress there, but always room to go. Uh, we'll we'll get back. Too. Yeah, that's that's kind of good to know uh, that, that it's something <laughs> that all of us need to keep working on, and we'll get we'll get back to that uh, eventually for sure. I'm not gonna not gonna let that slide. But uh, before we dive too deep into the the mental side of the sport, let's let's maybe go back in time just a little bit. And, and like I said in the intro, running for about 25 years now. So running for a good long time. How'd you get uh, started in the sport? Yeah. So, um, you know, since I was able to walk and run, I just had a joy and love for running. Um, as, as a young child, my parents always told me that I was very gifted with, with speed. And that became evident as I got into organized sports. But the problem was I was just really small, and even now I'm 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 five seven and about 140 pounds. I'm a I'm a small male. Um, playing high school football just it wasn't in the cards for me, mm-hmm. despite the fact that I was very quick and very fast. Um, so in fifth grade it was really whenever I kind of uh, tuned into that passion, and my parents got me involved with a local track and field uh, cross country community club uh, there in the area. And I just fell in love with the competitive side of things. And, and so you mentioned that, you know, I had I just recently found my, my love for racing. Really, that's kind of like a, um, I fall in love with racing all over again, mm-hmm. because it is, it does go very far back into my roots. And at an early age, I found some, some success, um, racing even at the, on the national stage, um, and that's probably because there weren't a whole lot of kids uh, <laughs> competitive <laughs> that early in life. Um, and, you know, I was I was running, I, I ran the, uh, had the opportunity to, to win a national championship on a 4 by 800 meter relay. Mm-hmm. And that was a really cool experience when I was in junior high. Um, so I got to travel and race in multiple um, events like that, USA track and field, um, as well as AAU. And so I found my, my love for it on the competitive side of things there. And it, it bled over into high school, and I, I was competitive 400-meter runner, 800-meter runner in high school. And people started catching up to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the playing field started evening out a little bit, and um, my coaches started having me focus more on, like, the quarter mile. And I, I did enjoy that because – I had a range for a long time where I was competitive in everything from the 100 meter all the way to the mile, and mm-hmm. they could also compete in cross country in the 5K. Um, but as I got older, I did kind of find more of my sweet spot right there in the quarter mile. And my senior year of high school, I was actually there uh, not far from you. Okay. Um, I was in, in uh, Clearwater. Mm-hmm. in Clearwater Beach and spring break I was visiting a friend and I was trying to just kind of maintain you know a little bit of the the training as I transitioned from indoor to outdoor season and I tore my hamstring mm-hmm. uh, running on the beach I just wasn't I wasn't used to running on the sand and you right. know completely different and I didn't know it was torn at the time I thought it was pulled I kept trying to come back over and over again and it was just a reoccurring problem and mm-hmm. I had to forego my senior season of outdoor track Ever, the, the colleges that were interested in me um, lost interest. I never uh, pursued a collegiate track career. And I opted to go into the military. And so I spent 10 years in the Army 
it started. Um, you know, when I was very young, I enlisted at 17 mm-hmm. and pr- with parental consent. And I, I didn't lose my, my passion for running at that point. I, I stayed very involved um, and actually put out some even better times at some of the longer distances, middle distances, while uh, I was early in my Army career. In 2005, 2006, I deployed to Iraq, mm-hmm. and I didn't, because of the type of the mission that we were on, I stayed in shape, but I wasn't able to, to run. Right. And so that 18-month time frame was, uh, was very challenging. I wasn't getting the, the running in, and then, of course, dealing with all the other the aspects of deployment. Mm-hmm. And when I came back, I went from, I was weighing 130 pounds at the time, and I came back weighing 188 pounds. Whoa. Just lifting weights heavy, um, eating pretty, pretty decent, um, and I put on a lot of muscle. And I, I was no longer running. <laughs> and so, but then after deployment, it just became a slew of other problems from um, really struggling to make the transition back to normal day life. Mm-hmm. And that 188 pounds stayed, but it was starting to transform mm-hmm. into, um, you know, very unhealthy, a very unhealthy body and a very unhealthy lifestyle and even more unfortunately, in a healthy mindset. Right. And I really did a lot of damage um, at that point in time, just on my whole life, just uh, just to be very open with you. My, my, my character and my values started to really slip and um, um, fell into just some really bad habits. And so I, I got a job in the last five years of my service, or really half of my service, uh, as a recruiter. Mm. And so the physical demands weren't that high. Um, I had to meet the, the basic requirements for the military, but right. I sat behind a desk for the majority of the time and I just, um, continued to fall into that, that bad cycle. And then I found CrossFit actually mm. in 2012 and CrossFit was a catalyst into, to bringing me back to running. And I, started just move again and I, I dropped the weight and I started to become more healthy. But I, you know, whenever I was running competitively, I never dialed into a, a good nutrition, mm-hmm. uh, a good diet that was conducive to performance. I just didn't know. And neither did my coaches. And, well, yeah. And you're, you're a high school kid. So, you know, there's, yeah. there's that too. <laughs> That's right. Um, so I just continued to maintain just, you know, a fast food lifestyle and um, things I could eat on the go and, and, and quick. And I was starting to move again, so I was becoming more healthy, but I, I still internally was just nowhere near where um, you know, I could be as far as creating positive energy and, and feeling good and performing at the level that I could. I, 2015, I met my, my wife, mm-hmm. and she happened to try a CrossFit workout. Her background is that she's a certified uh, personal trainer, uh, USA triathlon coach. And she tried tried CrossFit. And this, this particular workout was a 800 meter intervals with heavy lifting, Olympic lifting in between. And I ran by her in one of the intervals. And she tells me now, as she tells the story, she's like, CrossFitters can't run. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I caught, we, I caught her eye 
<laughs> just because of my ability to run. Um, she caught my eye because I thought she was beautiful <laughs> and, and because of her talent. Um, and we had a conversation after the workout and she said, well, you know, you're able to run after lifting really heavy. Have you ever considered triathlon? Mm. And I said, no, I, I, I can't swim. And she's like, oh, yeah, I, I could teach you. And I took her up on it and she ended up coaching me, um, in the water. And it was awful at first. Our, the very first session, it was something more of like an MMA match <laughs> where I was violently fighting the water for, for 25 yards and then resting for five minutes. And, and, the, and the water wins for those 25 yards too. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm still not a good swimmer. And, um, but, but she did coach me up. And a few months later, I did, a, I did a sprint triathlon. I just fell back in love with uh, the endurance mm-hmm. community. And, um, I, uh, basically refound my passion for running and I decided to sign up for the Dallas marathon mm. and that was 2015. And I was like, well, you know, I really kind of want to self-coach myself. And I had kind of, I, I did a lot of coaching when I was in the military on the personal training side of things and army fitness trainer. Um, and I thought I can figure this out. I went through a CrossFit endurance certification are you familiar with them not i think they're re- i'm sorry i, I was they're re- go ahead yeah <laughs> i think they're rebranded now but the the methodology was it was a minimal mileage approach um you know heavy strength training and although i still incorporate strength training now in my training and for my athletes this philosophy is the complete opposite mm-hmm. of what i uh teach and, and practice now um so i put together a plan based on this, this training, the certification that I went through. And my longest training run was like 18 miles. And it was only one of them because I was only running three days a week. Mm-hmm. And I missed that training run because I was sick. Oh no. So I went into this, my first marathon with a goal. This is funny. I, I went into this <laughs> marathon with a goal of sub three hours. <laughs> okay. On, mi- on minimal <laughs> mileage. <laughs> on minimal mileage and my longest training run was 16 hours i'm sorry 16 miles and um yeah 16 hours would have been a different story yeah that would have been a whole different style of training (laughs) um 16 miles and what i found was i was grossly un underprepared i hit a brick wall at 14 miles i ended up walking running the last 10 miles and i finished in 354 i was only an hour off my goal yeah, not not too shabby. <laughs> not too bad. I was so close. <laughs> but I I really like just fell in love with the marathon distance and thought, okay, I've got unfinished business here. Mm-hmm. I was committed to I was committed though to triathlon now at that time, especially working with, with uh at the time my girlfriend and my wife. And I committed to a half Ironman. Right there, actually, in, in your area, in uh, Haines City. Okay, and I yep. did Ironman uh, 70.3 Florida. And that was in April of 2016. Did zero open water training because where I live in Fayetteville, Arkansas, it's too cold to get in the open water right. in January, February, March. So my first open water swim was a half Ironman. <laughs> and not the ideal. sign, not <laughs> ideal at all. And the sign that I passed getting into the water that says, 
beware, swim at your own risk with an alligator mm-hmm. in it. Um, I didn't miss that. <laughs> <laughs> and so this was like terrifying for me. Um, my first open water swim, I'm like, okay, I got to worry about a thousand other people plus alligators. <laughs> <laughs> to be um, fair, every mud puddle in Florida has a sign that says, beware of alligators, swim at your own risk. <laughs> so there, there is that, you know. That's what my wife was telling me. She grew up, uh, she was born in Lakeland. Okay. And, and, and grew up right there. So uh, that's what she was telling me about. She said, yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, my brothers used to swim in this lake all the time. I was like, okay. <laughs> okay, it's supposed to make me feel better. Um, so I was terrified. I'm like, you know, I, I've served, like I, I've been in combat. And mm-hmm. for some reason, this was more terrifying. And it's funny how, you know, what we're trained and prepared to do really um, makes a difference. Um, as to our fear level. And so I finished the, the swim 1.2 miles later, I get out of the water and I remember just having like this emotion rush over me thinking like, I did it, I finished. And then the realization hit me in the face. <laughs> I still got 69 more miles to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so it was a great experience. I, I, I finished. Um, it definitely wasn't like, uh, you know, respectable or, uh, um, you know, fastest relative. I don't want to say mm-hmm. it was fast or slow, but it was, it was off my goal time. Um, it's kind of a common theme as you're, you're going to find throughout <laughs> this process of so our conversation that, um, I, I have very big goals and I don't always hit them and that's okay. Um, so I, I was way off my target goal, but I had an awesome experience. Um, I overcame fear of, of swimming and open water swimming and it was just really cool. So you said earlier, like, there's no shortage of, of, uh, busyness in my life. I've got a lot going on. I've got, I've got four kids. Mm-hmm. And so I had a child right after that, that half Ironman and I got, and I've had another one since, and I've got, I got out of training for a couple years. Um, and I say train, I got out of racing for a couple okay. years. Um, I continue to train and I continue to just really focus on building a true aerobic base and just going things about going about training the right way, um, and, and doing things. Cause you know, I, I said going training for that Dallas marathon, I did everything wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just went back to the drawing board and said, okay, I can't race right now. What can I do? And for a couple of years, I just, I ran really slow. I ran really easy. I started building up my mileage safely. Um, I restructured my strength program, focused on some things structurally and, um, got away from some of the injuries that I was going through at the time of getting back into endurance training. And really the catalyst was whenever I got on this, the the ultra team Mm. this year, it was a moment of, Hey, like I, I need to make this, I need to make this, um, at least a a top five priority in my life may not have to be the top priority. I've got some more important things going Mm. on, um, like family, but in business, but I, I can at least carve out some time to, to train and, and race again. And the, the ultra family really pushed me into, into doing that. And so that's whenever I committed to running my, my first 50 K. So I spent most of this year training for that and did that, um, a couple months ago. And then now turned to, um, the Dallas marathon and the goal is to get, to get BQ and sub sub three hours. Um, so I'm really excited to, to kind of be back in the thick of things. And I feel like, um, even though I'm 35 years old, my, my journey is just really 
really starting. Mm-hmm. And um, because of that, my, my coaching business has just kind of been on the side uh, of something that I've really enjoyed doing. Um, and I, you know, I've, I've gotten more, another certification since that CrossFit endurance one, um, <laughs> to better <laughs> equip me. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, a little bit more science-based, a little bit more physiology, mm-hmm. um, that, um, that's taken off too. And so now that's my, that's my full-time, full-time job as well as, um, I'll say full-time business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have multiple facets on, on the coaching side in addition to endurance coaching. That's, that's awesome. And, and as, as per usual, um, you know, I ask, ask one simple question and I've got about 40 different follow-ups that I, that I want to ask. So, um, <laughs> we're, we're not going to probably get to, to all of those and I'll, I'll probably forget a few of them cause I'm going to ask one question and then you're going to answer and I'm going to have follow-ups to that. And so, you know, sure. who, who knows exactly where this is going to, going to take off to, but, um, I guess I'll, I'll start with some of the more recent things that, that you said in that answer, and, and especially kind of looking at the, the science and the coaching and, and doing some of the uh, the more, you know, building your aerobic base, slowing down, running easy, as opposed to, to hammering all the time, which um, I'm going to maybe assume based on the little bit I know about CrossFit, that's more of the CrossFit style. It's just don't run too often, but hammer it when you do um, yeah. versus, versus what you're doing now with looking at some of the science and the physiology. Um, but my question is, because I've, I've been doing that now, I've, I've been pretty strict maffetone kind of style of, of training mm-hmm. for the last uh, little over a year and a half. I guess it's been about about 20 months, the last 20 months or so. That's been my, my style. Um, and I can remember the, the early days of that, not really being frustrated because I, I know the science and I trust the science and, and I, I was believing in it. But it's like, it kind of sucks to look at your, your data from six months prior to that when you were running what you thought was easy you know, two or three minutes per mile faster than what you're, what you're running right then and there, uh, you know, with using the actual heart rate and the biofeedback and trying to keep things easy. Um, mm-hmm. so was, was that a, a struggle for you at, at any point during that three year period when you were just focused on aerobic training and, and doing some things the right way? Um, was it a struggle to kind of compare back to going, gosh, I, I can remember when I was running way faster than this and it was it still felt easy. Was, was there any, any struggle there? Huge struggle. Massive struggle. It was one of the hardest transitions, um, you know, athletically that I've, that I've been through. And I feel, and I look back on it now and it's, it's really fascinating because I feel that that, that experience and that struggle has equipped me to help the athletes that I work with now that I'm telling them like, Hey, you, you got to slow down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you're not getting the physiological adaptations that, that we need you to get because you're training in a different energy system. <laughs> um, so that that was a that was a really big struggle, like to go from, like you said, with that that CrossFit approach, and if you if you factor in my running background too as a quarter miler and a half hammering. miler, yeah, <laughs> just hammering all the time. I just stayed anaerobic, mm-hmm. like a tempo run was a slow run for me. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and now I'm like, man, tempo runs that's hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that that was a, a difficult transition to go out there and log you know, 10, 30, 11 minute miles whenever I was capable in the past, at least not, not recently, but you know, I, I've run a four thirty mile before mm-hmm. and to, to run at that slow, I had to really find the joy in that process of changing my, my approach to training, but also making sure that my, that I was, uh, my mind was right to enjoy it and to embrace the process. Um, because it was a grind at first and, um, yeah, it was a struggle. Yeah. 
What kind of things did you do to find the joy in the process? Or how did you, I don't want to say trick your mind into finding joy, but uh, the reason I ask is, is this one isn't a selfish question. This one is for several people I know that, because I've been talking about this heart rate training and slowing down and, and stuff for, for years, even before I really got into it. Um, mm. And and I've had people that have reached out, some, some of the athletes that I coach, some people that just listen to the show, whatever. And they're like, dude, I, I've tried this and it just sucks. Like it's not fun to mm-hmm. not be able to go out and go. Um, how, how, do, how are you able to, to wrap your head around making it, bringing, keeping joy in the sport when, when you're running literally more than twice, almost three times slower than, than you were at your peak, uh, peak speed? Yeah, so I think, I think the answer is very individualistic. Mm-hmm. I think it's different per person um, because it really just depends on how you respond to progress. And so for me, I like the data. Um, I like seeing the physiological changes in my training. And so whenever I'm doing um, lactate threshold testing and I can actually see my zone two expanding and seeing that, okay, this hard work that I'm putting in is paying off because I have hard scientific data here, output, based on my output, that tells me I am building a bigger aerobic base. Mm -hmm. And that helps me buy into the process. And that's, that's one thing that, you know, I, I, um, I, tr- I try to work with, with my athletes on is just explaining the, the method, explaining the science behind it and just getting them to buy in and trust the process and then right. getting them retested to show the progress and to show that their, their efforts are paying off. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another, another strategy would be to, you know, I, I think that um, anything – we have to make sure and create a little bit of balance. And while I stick pretty closely to the 80-20 principle, um, you know, we're 80% of, of training. And then obviously this changes based on the period mm-hmm. that we're training and the phase we're training in. But at least 80% is, you know, aerobic. And you get that other 20% that are higher intensities. Um, and I think that it's good to throw in some workouts for some people that do struggle with that to at least – um, balance things out a little bit to give them their fix if that's right. what they need. And to, um, you know, another great way to do that is strides. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I incorporate that early in everyone's training program and keep it that way throughout the entire program because of running economy. But it also helps people get their fix of running fast. And we have a very low stress result mm-hmm. from it as long as the rest are long enough in between the strides and as long as they're performed correctly and comfortable. Right. So I think those two things would be, um, off the top of my head, I think would be the fast or the best way to, to approach that is to track the progress, um, and to be able to find some, find some balance and still get your fix. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize that we were going to be quite as simpatico on this, but I'm always excited when we are, because it gives me a chance to, to ask some questions that, or, or discuss some topics that I've probably covered so often that people zone out when they hear me talking about them, but having a different voice, different, different way of saying, you know, a lot of times ends up being about the same things. Hopefully that, mm-hmm. that maybe creates some inroads and, and helps some people to, to trust the science or, or trust the physiology behind it and maybe commit to it a little bit more. Um, but mm-hmm. you mentioned a couple of times building the aerobic base and, and talking there about seeing your zone to expand and, and get bigger with that, with that aerobic base. To, to somebody who's who's new to the heart rate training discussion or new to the idea of running easy and how that helps you to, to race fast, um, 
what does what does building the the bigger aerobic base or the more solid aerobic base what does that do for somebody in a half marathon or a marathon or shoot even i mean we if you really want to be honest in the 5k in the 10k in, 5K. in anything that's longer than about 400 meters what does mm-hmm. what does the aerobic base help to do like and why and, and so then i guess where that is going to end up leading to is why does running slower help somebody race faster yeah well you know, I, I definitely can grasp and understand the concept. We'll see if I'm smart enough to explain it. <laughs> um, we don't need real so, technical, just real world. Okay. Like, you know, make it, make it easy to understand. You know, I'll, I'll give you the cliff notes. <laughs> yes. All right. So, um, like you said, I'm, I'm so glad that you brought in the, the 5K and 10K because that's exactly where I was going to go. Mm-hmm. The way we need to train is specific, and that kind of brings in the law of specificity. Um you know, the law of specificity applies to every sport or every endeavor. And we, we start out with, with general conditioning and we progress through phases or periods into more specific training that meet the demands of the event. Now, a 5K um, all the way up ultra marathon, they are aerobic, or like you said, anything over 400 meters, they are aerobic events, dominant aerobic events. And so if we are primarily using our aerobic fitness, our aerobic capacity to perform well at these specific events, then it should probably be a very significant part of our training to develop it. And we know, physiology, we know that the aerobic, in order to develop properly, that we have to work within a certain range of effort Mm -hmm. or heart rate. And once we cross over into the point where our body is making lactic acid into the uh, more, you know, the common tempo uh, terminology or lactic acid, Mm -hmm. um, then we're no longer getting those benefits uh, that that we could be getting like uh, increased um, capillaries, mitochondria. uh, Please don't ask me to explain that in detail. (laughs) But those are those are a lot of things taking place inside of our body that are very, very, very important for aerobic events, like being able to have more oxygen, using more oxygen, the, 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 um, the tiny muscles within our body that um, aren't the glamour muscles that we see in the mirror, but are so important to being able to sustain 26.2 miles or, or even sustain intensities at, at five kilometers. Right. Um, we miss out on all that whenever we don't train at easy paces. Yeah, and then and then by by increasing that, improving that area, um, what I what I like to to say and, and get your thoughts on this too, Cliff. But like, it's not so much the speed that we need for the most part. Again, you know, once you once you're past 400 meters or so, it's all about who slows down the least is who yes. ends up running the fastest. So you know, when you, when you ran your your 423 mile, you know you couldn't hold that probably longer than a, a mile and two steps or something like that was that was it. Right. Um, yep. But but if you improve your endurance you, by building that aerobic base. Yeah, maybe now your fastest mile might only be five minutes, which is still pretty fast. But again, we're talking relative here and, and whatnot. But sure. if you can maintain that pace for 3.1 miles, now you're running a, a you know, 15 and a half minute 5K, which is pretty darn good. Or you know you can ex- extrapolate that out as you go, um, which is why it's kind of so important. And, and again, an area that, that we, we think it to get faster, you got to run faster and you do to a point. But at the same time, running easy is, is pretty darn important a, a lot of the time. I'm so glad you brought that up too. So it's an excellent point. And, and I have asked that question from people before whenever I'm getting a little bit of pushback mm-hmm. is, 
how fast can you run a 400 meter right now, you think? And I'll, I'll get an answer. And I'll ask, well, well then how, the follow-up question is, how long can you maintain that? Can you run that pace right. You know, for a 5K? Can you run that pace for even a mile? Well, if, if not, then the problem is not your speed. Mm-hmm. You've got plenty of speed. <laughs> we need to work on expanding that ability to maintain that speed for longer durations. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll, you know, and then I'll get a little bit of pushback once, I, once in a while too. Maybe you, you do as well, where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, like, but yeah, but aren't you getting a little bit slower? And I'm like, so what? Like me personally, I have no desire to race the 400 meters. Like, like, I mean, I might mm-hmm. do it once in a while, but like, I don't care if I'm at, you know, 60 seconds, 70 seconds, 80, like whatever. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's all the same to me. I'm going to run as hard as I can for a quarter of a mile and I'm going to kick myself afterwards for doing <laughs> such a silly thing when I could have just run out and done 10 miles easy and felt better about myself. But you know, like, like, so I don't care, you know, I don't care if my mile time gets a little bit slower. Like I might jump in a mile mm-hmm. race every once in a while, but like whatever. But if I'm getting faster at the marathon, like that's, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice a few seconds of top end speed to build that base. Yeah, absolutely. It all comes down to, you know, what you're just exactly saying is what are we training for? Mm-hmm. If, if our goal is to cover 26.2 miles as fast as possible, then we need to do the things to cover that distance as fast as possible. And there might be some sacrifice. Right. Um, we might even lose a little bit of our VO2 max. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's something I really have a conversation with over and over again with, with ultra runners. Right. Um, you know, we might do some VO2 max training very, very early in the training cycle, but we get away from that as we get more specific to the demands of the event. So why would we even increase VO2 max early in the, in the cycle if we're going to lose it? Um, well, one, it raises our ceiling. We have a higher mm. capacity to then raise our lactate threshold higher, which we do use um, in, in that type of distance. But um, you know, it, it, it is a little bit of give and take and a little bit of sacrifice, and we just have to keep our mind focused on what's the purpose. Right. What, what am I, what am I training for? And what am I wanting to get out of this? If I wanted, if I don't want to lose any speed in my mile then I need to do, then I need to train for a mile. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it, we could, we could keep going down this, this hole for a long time. <laughs> I got a feeling and, and, and hopefully, yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's, I think it's a good conversation to have, but I, I do mm-hmm. want to, um, shift gears a little bit and get into some of the, the mindset stuff because, um, yeah. and, and not, you know, somewhat tongue in cheek in the intro that like, you know, absolutely. If I can glean something from this, I'm obviously going to, but, um, it's again, an area I know a lot of people struggle with and, and, um, and it's something that, that I think is overlooked a lot in, in a lot of coaching circles, a lot of just, you know, running advice. We, we talk workouts and we talk, um, you know, stretching and, and foam rolling and, and, you know, which not to cast shade on those things. Those things are obviously sure. important as well, but the, the mindset piece, the mental piece is easy to, to, not understand or not, not know where to dive into it. Um, but before we dive into specifics there, when did, when did the mindset piece really kind of become part of, of your, your set that you work with, with your athletes? Like where, where did your, your interest, where did your experience, where did you learn about the, the power of the mind? Yeah. Great, great question. I'm, I'm, I'm really like the way that you framed that up too. Um, it, it is so important and it is often overlooked and I overlooked it myself for really my entire life. Um, you know, Obviously, we learned some some pretty tough mindset skills in the military mm-hmm. um, to be able to in, in endure a lot of the things, the, the, the training, and even um, you know that uh, actual actual combat. Um, and you're you're kind of I guess more programmed. You're not really taught the psychology 
behind it as to as to why um, the mental training aspect of things work out works out the way that it does. I, I started becoming fascinated with it. I guess it was 2016, 2017. Um, I just started really saturating myself in, in personal development. Um, I left my I left a corporate career that I had five years invested in um, after I left the military. Um, started a few businesses and I just became saturated in personal development. Um, and I John Maxwell, are you familiar with John mm-hmm. Maxwell? A little bit, yeah. And so. So he he became a very big uh, influencer in my life through a lot of his books and through a lot of his his trainings, and um, I found that you know like I said I had endurance coaching that was kind of just like a side gig it was like a just a hobby that I was doing for a few athletes during that time frame, and I started noticing that athletes and um, people other clients I was working with and other business they were starting to come to me for. Uh, advice or, or guidance or mentorship in a variety of different areas that had nothing to do with endurance training and on the surface at least, or the, the typical areas that I was helping them in. And it was more just general life things. And it's because I was sharing that stuff on my social media about mm-hmm. um, being a dad and, and being a husband and um, blending a family together, um, leaving a corporate career and starting, starting businesses and, people just naturally came to me and asked me for those things. And I, I could only share my experiences because that's, that's all I had. Um, so I joined the John Maxwell team of coaches. I went through his certification and I'm completely blown away with the psychology of, of coaching people mm. in a, in a general sense, um, as, as it relates to the mind. Um, and even as it relates to sport, and, you know, we think about coaching that term. If we, um, if we think about a, a teacher, a mentor, and a coach, those three titles and those three roles are significantly different. A teacher is armed and equipped with a significant amount of knowledge. And all three of these can obviously cross over mm-hmm. into one another. Um, uh, a mentor is, is, has a lot of experience and usually has very niche um, clientele that they work with based on their experience. And then a coach is, is vastly different. If you look at like the root word, um, and they're like the, the genesis of a coach is more like a question based approach to guiding people to an end goal. And that's far different than a mentor or a teacher. And that fascinated me. And I, and I, as I started learning this and started gaining, um, clients and business coaching and, and, and life coaching clients, I started thinking about how can I integrate this? How can I put this under one coaching umbrella and start applying a lot of these principles to endurance coaching? And I started getting, and I just recently got into to ultra running. And I found that, you know, really like a lot of the experts say, 80% of an ultra marathon is mental. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, if that's, if that big of a portion <laughs> is mental, um, then I better figure that piece out because that's kind of a big deal. And one of the things that, that I learned in my, um, from John Maxwell is really, I call it like a self-coaching model because I think anybody, and this is, I'll, I'll briefly lay this out for everybody. Uh, anybody can take this and apply it to their life in any area and they can coach themselves through a problem. 
like anything, Mm -hmm. whether that be falling apart in a race, um, falling apart in your training, or maybe falling apart in a marriage or business or a, a career or whatever. But the way that the mind works is psychology 101. You have, you have circumstances or events that take place in our lives. Now, these are like undisputable facts. Like nobody can argue this is, this is just the way that it is. Um, for example, in a race, um, your legs hurt. Okay, that's a circumstance. That's a fact. Um, they hurt. Now, based on that circumstance or facts, our mind comes into play, and we formulate thoughts about that circumstance and about those facts. Mm-hmm. And those thoughts can generally be explained in a couple sentences or maybe even one sentence. And really think about like, like how self-talk, how we talk to ourselves. Um, and so this is, this is really important because this is like the very beginning of this, this model. Mm-hmm. Um, and it influences everything behind it. And we formulate these, these thoughts based on the circumstances. And then those thoughts, how we talk to ourselves, lead to emotions and feelings. And so if we have positive thoughts like, hey, my legs are hurting, but I know that I've put in the miles, I know that I've put in the training, and I'm confident in my ability to finish this race. Well, then that's going to create, it's going to manufacture a positive emotion of, of hope, a positive emotion of confidence. Um, and if we're saying to ourselves like, ah, oh, man, like my, my knee hurts, here we go again. We're only three mm-hmm. miles into the race. There's no way I'm going to be able to get through this. If I'm hurting at three miles, I can't imagine what I'm going to feel like at 10 miles. Right. Well, we're already starting to create negative emotions of hopelessness, lack of confidence. Emotions can be generally described in one simple word, happy, sad, mad, angry, you know, things like that. And so emotions will always lead to the next step in the model. And that is either action, inaction, or reaction. And so emotions are so powerful. If you're ever wondering why you're not acting on something, or if you're ever wondering like why you're actually doing something that you wish you would quit doing, Mm -hmm. it's because of how you feel in the moment. However you're feeling in that given moment will dictate what you do unless you change your feeling. And how do we change our feeling? We change our thoughts. Mm. So emotions create action, inaction, or reaction. And then that then leads to either results or the lack thereof. And so if I go back to that model, uh, we created positive emotions. We have confidence. We have hope. Then we're going to take the right action of continuing to put one foot in front of the other, um, you know, or maintaining pace or whatever that is, whatever that action is, and mm-hmm. that's going to lead to the, res- the result we want. Now we can take that model and, and apply that to anything. Um, you know, if you're not, if you're finding yourself sleeping in in the morning and you don't want to get out of bed for your workout, then it comes back to very obvious one. Well, I don't feel right. like giving up. Obviously, you made a decision the night before, hey, I want to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning. That was a rational thought. Well, that thought is no longer present Mm -hmm. at 4 a.m. You're left with a feeling, 
and you have to tell yourself. You have to reprogram your mind and tell yourself how you want to feel. If you want to feel differently, you got to think differently. Right. So with uh, so so much goodness there, and and um, to to maybe try I, I, again a couple of several dozen different questions I want to ask <laughs> to follow up on that. Um, but uh, the, I guess the, maybe the first one. So you're you're trying to to change the way you're you're thinking so that or to change the way you're feeling so that mm-hmm. you know because that's that's what's going to be the driver. Um, I kind of have a feeling that I know where this answer is going to be. And it's not, it's not the answer that anybody necessarily wants, but this isn't a quick process. This is kind of like building that aerobic base. Like it takes, it yep. takes some time and some consistency to, to reprogram and, and change those feelings. Right. Yes. Yeah. So how, how do we, what, you know, what are some, and I, I know we're not going to have time to go too in depth in this, but like, is it just as, as quote unquote simple as just, Work, you know, trying to, to change the, those those thoughts to which will eventually get to changing the feelings every day, or, or how do we go about enacting that change to, to get out of bed in the morning or to whatever it is to to, to improve the diet or, or whatever it is that we're working on or, or that we want to work on? How how do we get from I want this to happen to actually changing the feelings so that we can start making making some steps? Yeah, so I, you know, I can probably frame it in a couple of sentences and make it sound really simple, <laughs> but in reality, is it's extremely extremely complicated. And very, very hard and challenging to implement into into change. Mm-hmm. Um, much harder than building an aerobic base. <laughs> um, and so, you know, there's there's a lot of different things that we can do. Um, you know, the the very first step is just being present in the moment. Mm. Um, being able to kind of step back and say, okay, um, I just I just did that thing that I don't want to do. It happened again. Um, what was I feeling in the moment? Um, you know, a lot of us, and, and we're so wired, we're wired so differently. Like mm-hmm. I'm a very rational being, a thought processor. Um, my wife, she's, she's like just creative, like beautiful, amazing. Uh, f- um, she feels so much right. and it, it makes her extremely successful because of it. And so she's like very in tune with her emotions and her feelings. And so she has the incredible ability to, to kind of step out of herself at times and be like, okay, this is how I was feeling in the moment. I really struggle with that. Mm-hmm. But I can, I can isolate or I, I can identify my thoughts. So a lot of times it may be just identifying where you're at in a different place in the model. And so for me, I like, okay, I was thinking this and then I struggle with like, well, what did that make me feel? And then I can try and pinpoint how I was feeling. But the key is just being present in the moment mm-hmm. and just saying, okay, like this just happened. Why did it happen? And spend just a little bit of time in reflection of what led to this? Okay. How did this happen? What led to it? What was I thinking that created my emotions that led to that, to led to that negative action? Um, so being present is first. And then, you know, once you're able to identify like some, some ways that you don't want to feel or some feelings that you don't want to have mm-hmm. or some thoughts, you're, you're like, Hey, I just really talk down to myself and I beat myself up all the time and I'm tired of it. I want to change my thoughts. Um, a good first step is creating a list of, of positive affirmations. And this, this sounds kind of wooey, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's actually write, write out things that you like about yourself and read it. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like that, that speaking things into existence thing. But there's, there's so much like neuroscience behind this mm-hmm. um, of, of constantly talking nicely to yourself, reminding yourself that, Hey, you do have potential. You do have talent. You are good at these things. 
And the, and the key thing is not to lie to yourself. Right. Um, you know, this isn't a list of like, oh, I'm a millionaire and you're not, <laughs> Hey, <laughs> right. I'm a, I'm a 210 marathoner and you're not like, that's not going to do any good. Um, this, this list are some things that you generally like about yourself, areas of strength. And then every morning I suggest like my clients that they read these to themselves, Mm -hmm. um, and start their day off by talking nice to themselves and apply this to like anything, um, that you're going to do this way outside your comfort zone. Um, you, you got a big presentation you give, well, have a list of affirmations ready before you get up on stage to remind yourself that you are equipped to do this. If you're struggling, you know, like before a race, remind yourself, write out, write out a list of positive things that you can tap into whenever you're at mile 20, mm-hmm. whenever the wheels start falling off and you have that list mentally recited that you've been saying for, for 26 weeks now, mm-hmm. every day. Have that list of positive thoughts that you can go to and start reprogramming your mind in the moment. And so the second thing would be would be positive affirmations. Um, the third thing is is really just probably I would say your center of influence, um, who you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. Um, just making sure that you have people um, that that you surround yourself with that are conducive to the person that you want to become. And if you want to think positively and and talk to yourself positively and feel good, then, you know, surround yourself with people that will help you, um, accomplish that. And that includes mentorship, um, going through trainings that includes coaching. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, um, uh, as a coach for my, for my clients on the life coaching and the business coaching side of things, I simply just hold a mirror up for people so Mm -hmm. they can, so they can see, like what's actually happening in their life. Um, you know, that's kind of one of the beautiful things about it. Um, you don't have to be an expert like at what I do, like what right. I, as a coach, I don't have to be an expert in someone's problem. <laughs> I just have to tap into their potential to help them figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I apply that into run coaching. I'm, ho- I'm, I'm coaching two guys right now for a hundred. I've never run a hundred miles, but right. I'm confident they're going to get through it. One of the, one of the, things that you mentioned there that, that triggered something in my mind and to, to go back just a, a couple of steps um, with the affirmations. And, and it's something that I've, I've dabbled in before and I've tried it. And then I feel like, I, you know, I think I'm maybe kind of more like you where it's, it's pretty logical, pretty reasoned. And it's just like, yes, t- telling myself that, I, you know, I'm, I'm a successful this or, or I'm good at you. Like, it's just, there's, there's something that I struggle with there, but mm-hmm. A thought that I just had, and I, w- I would love to get your your take on it, is what if instead of, and, and maybe in addition, maybe not instead of, but maybe in addition, um, you know, the areas where I where I do struggle, or the times that I that I you know I, I do struggle a lot with the, the negative self talk type of thing. I'm I'm you know I call it self deprecation, but it's it's probably maybe a little bit beyond that sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. But what if in in those moments, and, and say we'll go back to running specifically. So like if I'm doing a workout, I'm like God, this this sucks. My legs hurt. Like I just want to stop, and that's that's usually when I'll let myself give up. What if I had two or three or whatever, five or, or whatever, one, two, whatever, um, good affirmations that are more specific to that specific thing. So, you know, maybe saying, Hey, I've run three fifty Ks. I've, I've, you know, I've PR in my last three marathon or wh- whatever it might be that would be specific to remind me or, or to, to maybe help me get out of that, that downward spiral that I find myself in it. Would that be, uh, would that be effective? You think? Yes. And so 
that that's exactly what I was attempting to articulate. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, thank you for putting that in, in, in much better words. But exactly everything about these affirmations, um, it needs to be purposeful. It needs to tie into your emotions. It needs to it needs to mean something to you. And it needs to be specific um you know, to, to things that you might struggle with. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for example, I, I'm working with someone right now on, um, getting over the fear of being on camera. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it, 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 the affirmations for that need to be very specific to the, the issues that, that he's facing mm -hmm. doing that. Um, so yes, yes, absolutely. They need to be specific to the things that, that they're struggling with, things that you can kind of pull out of your tool belt, I guess, um, on a moment's notice and be able to remind yourself, um, how awesome you are. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't, it, it does, it doesn't have to be like, oh, I'm a, I'm a successful runner. I've, I've run this before. Um, yeah, maybe that helps a little bit, but does it really like tug like on your emotions? Is it really right. like tap into like your inner drive? Um, if it doesn't tap into your inner drive, then maybe we need to find something a little bit different to tell yourself. Mm -hmm. um, you know, motivation is just motivation is an emotion. It's a fleeting right. emotion, and we have to generate it. We don't. A motivation doesn't just fall out of the sky and land on our head. We have to. We have to create and generate motivation. Mm -hmm. um, and so, if you're if you're ever feeling motivated, there's there's a reason why um, you plugged into something. You're listening to Denny's podcast here. And it motivated you to go out and run, um, but you created it because you you chose to listen to it. Right. So we got we got, those positive affirmations need to be need to be something that taps into our our inner drive and needs to be specific to the problems that we're facing. And I have positive affirmation lists for multiple categories in my life. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, husband, father, um, my core identity, uh, runner as a coach, um, public speaking, I have different lists for each one of those. I, I, I think that that might spur me to get back into the, uh, the affirmation train a little bit. Cause I think mine were just so, so generic and so across the board that maybe they weren't mm -hmm. doing much, but if I have some specific ones, especially I'm, and I'm thinking again too, uh, not just for myself, but for others, if you know, there's an area that you tend to struggle, if it's, if it's the long run or if it's the tempo run, or if it's this project at work, that is a, a a quarterly thing that you have to do, whatever it might be, you know, mm -hmm. knowing that this is where you struggle, go out of your way to be intentional to have a couple of good affirmations and think about them and make them powerful so that when you're in those areas where you continually have those self doubts or that negative self talk, you've got ammunition already to, to combat that and say, Hey, wait a minute, you know, wh whatever that might be, but that's my, my gears are turning. So I, I like this. Yeah. And, and it evolves, you know, mm -hmm. we go through different seasons of our life. Um, and our purpose, you know, in life may change from season to season. Um, you know, for example, in this, this season of my life, my, my main purpose right now is, is being a good husband and father. Mm -hmm. Um, family is my priority. Um, now that's not going to change, but, um, you know, until I'm an empty nester, <laughs> um, and it, but anyways, you know, th things, our priorities shift and our purpose changes a little bit and our positive affirmations should change too, mm -hmm. based on the season that we're in, the problems that we're facing, um, the experiences that we're having. And so it really does take a long, you know, a long process to allow this list to evolve 
to get to a certain place that it really speaks to you, but it doesn't ever stay stagnant. You know, it needs to continue to change and to continue to progress and evolve um, so that it continues to speak to you wherever you're at. Because really what this is, is just you speaking to yourself Mm -hmm. so that you feel the way that you want to feel or that you do the things that you want to do. Right. I could, Self-coaching. Yes, yes. I could keep going on this this for a while. With, with my, like I said, my, my gears are spinning, but uh, at some point we're going to have to wrap this up and maybe continue the but, conversation somewhere down the road. But for people that, that are, for me and for other people, um, any any good resources, I'm sure some, some good Maxwell books or, or anything else that, that you could kind of point some people to, to, to kind of maybe continue to learn more about how self-improvement and, and personal development, not only for personal life and for other parts of life, but maybe can help with the running side of things too. Yeah. Um, let's see resources. So, so John Maxwell, um, you know, as uh, you said, you're, you're familiar with me. He's written over like a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, um, there's, there's more so. than just one or two to get to, but <laughs> any ones that stand yeah. out. So I, I like the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership. That's one that really speaks to me. Um, that's one of his bestsellers too. Um, another one is put your dream to the test. That's a good one because it kind of helps us like be in touch with reality. Like, um, you know, everyone's telling, giving you the message of dream big, dream big, dream big. Well, you know, we need to put our dream through a test process. Do we have the aptitude right Mm -hmm. now? If not, can we go out and get it? Um, you know, do we have the resources? Um, do we have the network? So just kind of puts a little bit of reality to your dream and equips you to go out and chase it once it's more realistic. Um, that's a good one to read and it it can be applicable to everything. Um, outside of John Maxwell, I'm, uh, I'm mentored by, by Brendan Burchard. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with him? I am. Yep. Okay. So the high, he wrote the book High Performance Habits, and that book is dynamite, man. That like that book is is so good because it's so applicable. So like every sentence you read in that book, you can just be like, okay, I got to go apply this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it can apply to training and it can apply to life. Um, and he's got a nice little um, HP six test that you can take to kind of help you understand where you're at as far as your performance and these uh, several key habits that he discusses in the book. Um, And then he's got so many different online platforms Mm -hmm. between uh, multiple podcasts um, and and different things like that. So he mentors me um, and I'm I'm in part of his community and he's been just as much as John Maxwell, a, a major contributor to, to my life and to my coaching practice. Fantastic. Well, thank you for, for sharing those cliffs. So, um, uh, do you have another minute or two? Or are we getting, getting to that yep. point? All right, cool. I'm, I'm sorry, good. sorry to linger on a little bit longer, but I, I would like to ask, uh, one last question, which, uh, I kind of like to wrap these things up with something I call a, a philosophical question, which is basically just like the introductory question, something fairly, fairly simple, but fairly open-ended. And, and this is what we'll kind of wrap things up today. Um, and I, I just be curious, I, I know we kind of got into, uh, returning to, to racing a little bit, didn't get into it too much, but that's, that's all right. That's how these, these, conversations tend to flow but uh i'd just be curious you know with with getting back into the the racing scene a little bit more um maybe with some of the nudges from us us clowns over in the uh, the ultra group there but um <laughs> what, what are you enjoying most about kind of adding racing back to back to your routine again what what, what uh you know what what is lighting you up about pushing yourself on on race day again you know it, it really comes down to uh the process mm. um i value process over outcome every time. And so the, the the process is what we have to fall in love with because if we don't love running the miles and we don't love recovering and we don't love refueling our bodies and we don't love doing all the details 
the mobility work, the strength work, if we don't love those things, then we just significantly decrease our chances of attaining our goals, but we significantly decrease our chances of loving what we do. So the best thing about racing and, and, and training and hitting, you know, going for big goals for me is, is just loving the process, tracking the, the progress, mm-hmm. and then using the lessons that I learn to add value to the people I work with and to the people I have uh, yet to meet and work with. Because I, I, I love coaching myself. Like I, I'm a firm believer that everyone should have their own coach, even coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have, you know, coaches in my life. But in running, um, yeah, like my wife, she mentored me for several years, and she still helps me so much on a lot of the science because she's an amazing coach. Um, and we, and we kind of coach each other. Mm-hmm. But I, for the most part, I'm pretty much self-coached because. I want to test things out. I want to try different things and I want to see what type of adaptations I can get from it so that I can implement it and those that I help. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, it's, uh, it, it's lots of things learned today. Um, but definitely looking forward to seeing how some of these races go for you going big in, Thanks, in Dallas and, and next year with some, I, I feel like I've, I've read, read some posts where there's some big things coming uh, next year as well, which is, which is yes. fantastic. And guys, if you want to follow along, uh, probably learn a few things as well in case you didn't learn enough for today. Uh, if, if your head's not spinning, I don't know what's wrong with you, but, uh, <laughs> on Instagram at coach Cliffman clip, said that all wrong at coach cliff Pittman again, two F's, two P's, uh, at coach cliff Pittman on Instagram. Goodness gracious. I'm not gonna say that again. I'm gonna screw it up if I do, uh, but it will be linked up in the show notes. Dizruns.com slash seven, six, two. We'll take you back there. You can connect with cliff. Uh, we'll have those books listed there as well. If you want to grab a couple of those, uh, I, I will probably beat you to grabbing those, but, uh, you know, whatever on Amazon, there's, there's no shortage of books available. So, uh, grab them, implement them, learn from them. Uh, cliff, thank you for, uh, taking the time today for, for sharing, uh, I would say a bit of wisdom, but a lot of wisdom. A, a lot of things that I know are, are practical, I know that are going to be helpful um, to others, going to be helpful to me as well. So thanks for, for that. Um, and certainly, like I said, uh, looking forward to, to following along, seeing how things go for you in Dallas this year and, and beyond. And uh, like I said, I'll, I'll go ahead and extend the invite now. At some point, I would love to do this again if you're, if you're up for it. Absolutely. Denny, oh. I really appreciate you. I really enjoyed this conversation. All right. Guys, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. I hope you enjoyed the conversation between Cliff and myself. And as always, I'd be curious to know what stood out to you from today's episode. What was something that uh, we talked about that really kind of resonated with you? Um, For me, it it definitely just comes back down to some of the personal development stuff that uh, Cliff's obviously a big fan of, obviously a big believer in. Um, and I can see why. I can see why. I, I think that for myself, and, and maybe you're in this camp as well, I don't know, you, you, you be the judge of that. But I think that, that for myself, sometimes I tend to compartmentalize, um, you know, as I've talked about several times, like I need to get stronger mentally. Like that's an area of my running that if I can improve my, my brain, my mindset, my outlook a little bit, some of the psychology of sport type of, of things, that it's going to help me. But as such, I tend to look for sport psychology type of, of trainings and, and, um, lessons and books and guides and resources. After talking with, with Cliff and thinking about it a little bit since, since the recording, I start to, to think and, and wonder and, and kind of remember back to some things that I've maybe said before where everything's connected, right? Everything, everything is connected. All of the stresses, all of the workouts, all of the things in our lives. It's, it's not 
all in isolation, but everything is kind of one big stew. And it, it really kind of makes me kick myself a little bit for not realizing that, you know, some of the personal development work that I do, you know, kind of to help with the business side of things, maybe to help with relational side of things, just to be, be better by myself. Um, those things probably translate to my running as well. And I've never like kind of put that together. Um, and, and I don't know why. I don't know why, but obviously if, if I can, you know, be, be less stressed, be more mentally aware, be, be whatever, whatever type of personal development that I, you know, rabbit hole that I start to go down, um, whether it's a John Maxwell thing, whether it's something else, I mean, there's, there's no shortage of resources as Cliff gave a few and there's, you know, type into to Amazon. There's about a, a several dozen others. Um, but if, if, you know, if I start working to improve, you know, just do some, some self-improvement, some self-help type of stuff it's probably going to pay off in my running as well. And that's, that's maybe the, the takeaway there is just, you know, personal development, um, taking care of yourself and, and how doing some things that maybe don't seem like they're specific to our running or our, our health or our fitness probably are going to improve our running and our health and our fitness. Because again, everything's so connected, especially when you start talking about the brain, obviously, obviously, right? I mean, you don't have to think about it. Like our brain controls everything, right? Everything that happens is related to our brain and our, our, our circuitry, our wiring, if you will. So no, no wonder, or, you know, doesn't take a rocket scientist. Clearly I'm not one to figure out that if I, if I work to improve my brain and how my brain functions, it's probably going to improve everything else. How my overall body functions, how my relationships, you know, the, the strength of my relationships, the quality of my relationships, and probably my running as well. And probably those mental lapses that I, that I am too, still too prone to, I mean, I'm getting better, but still struggle some days and just want to say, Oh, you know, hell with it. Like I'm done and quit and give up on myself. Start improving that, that personal development, start improving myself. And who knows, maybe some of those, those lapses will continue to go the way of the dodo. And, uh, I'll be able to stop saying that between my ears is the big thing that's, that's holding me back from reaching my, my potential and my goals. And, uh, you know, it'll just be more training that'll get me there. So that's, that's certainly the hope. And that is certainly the takeaway from today. Uh, what about you? What stood out to you from today's episode? As always, we'd love to hear. You can reach out on Twitter, on Instagram. I'm at Dizruns on both places. You can also send an email, Dizruns at gmail.com. And of course, you can head back over to the show notes, which uh, for today's episode, to get to the show notes, you just need to point your browser or click the link in the, uh, if, if your app that you're listening to this on supports it, Dizruns.com slash 762. Dizruns.com slash 762 will take you back to the show notes today. Photos, links, links to all the books, uh, obviously photos, all, all of those things will be there from today, disruns.com slash 762. So with that, we'll go ahead and uh, stick a fork in this one. It's just about done. Um, once again, if you want to check out, youneedabudget.com is the website, but if you want to get an extra free month free, uh, head over to disruns.com slash YNAB. That's the letter Y, the letter N, the letter A, B, the, the initials of You Need a Budget. And uh, you know, sign up for the 34-day the free trial. You get that before there's any commitment that's required. Um, then you can decide if you want to stick with it or not. And if you do, that's when you get an extra month for free. And uh, of course, if you have any questions about it, um, not that I'm an expert, not that I'm a guru, but uh, I've, like I said, I've, I've muddled my way through uh, several months with using the software now. I'm definitely a fan. It's definitely helping to impact our, our finances in a good way. Um, and I'm sure it will help you as well once you get it figured out. But if I can help you figure it out, if you have any questions, as always, you can, you can hit me up in all the various places, and I'll be happy to offer some, some YNAB 
how-tos or why nab don't do's because I did these and got it all jacked up. I had my my numbers were all a hot mess and it looked like we had a lot of money. And it's like, damn, where'd all this money come from? And then you start to look at the accounts and go, wait a second, something's not adding up here. Well, we got it. We finally got it figured out. Um, and so now it's, you know, it's, it's not as, as nice to look at the numbers. I mean, they're still good, but it's not as nice. But uh, at least it's not giving me a false sense of doing super, super well when things didn't seem like they should have been in that situation. But anyway, I won't bore you with my finances. If you want to talk YNAB, we can talk YNAB. If you want to check it out, disruns.com slash Y-N-A-B. And with that, we'll go ahead and put a little bow on this one. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Thanks to Cliff for making the time. Hope you enjoyed this one. If you did, go give him a follow because lots of good, lots of good stuff, especially over on Instagram. That is his, that is his jam there. Um, and uh, until next time, please be well. Please take care. Thank you again for listening, the support, all the love, and uh, we'll talk soon, all right? See you guys.